it's it's interesting the way again it's it's just taking time to to watch things and learn how animals different animals do communicate and i mean i i always get slammed for this but but one of my favorite things to do if the conditions are right is communicating with other species by touch so um you know a, a a lot of my associates would say you cannot touch animals. This is mostly underwater. And I say, well, you know, you're missing so much by not touching. Because if you half instigate it, but in a very careful, gentle way, and the animal, whatever it is, then reacts to that, at some point or other, you're going to make contact. And to me, that is a, an amazing way of communicating with it, with any species at all. Uh, you know, if you've, if you've got something that would normally scoot away in your hand or, or just lying there with next to you, it's, it's just a, a most wonderful feeling. And I think this blanket rule of you should not touch really should be examined just a little bit further. Well, it's just watching the film, My Octopus Teacher. I know we brought oh. that up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when an animal engages and wants to touch you, it's one thing when a wild animal comes up chasing, like I've, I've seen lots of tourists chasing wild animals, you know, from dolphins to sea turtles to different yes. types of fish. But really, yes. curiosity, I think, goes across the board with all animal species, they're curious. And we are, you know, once I had a turtle blowing bubbles underneath me. Oh, <laughs> and I was I've like- I've never heard of that before. That's fantastic. Why, why are you fascinated with animals and wildlife and what, what motivates you to do your work? Started off, uh, um, I hated school, hated it. It was just, I could see, I could see no reason for being there. And then I went to learn to be a fashion photographer. And, and when I went there, uh, they had one afternoon a week, the only place in the entire UK that did an underwater photography course. So Where was that? that? I was in Plymouth. Oh, okay. So I joined it. And from my first dive, I thought, this is it. This is the rest of my life. It's, it's, there is nothing else uh, that has been set out for me. And so I, I mean, it takes a long time to get into TV industry and all the rest of it as, as everyone knows. And it took me a long time, but I never gave up. I always knew that was my destiny. And I've just seen and experienced and been with so many species and just got so many thrills and pleasure from it all. Uh, it's it's uh, never regretted uh, a single second of it. Mm. What is what has been like if you could say the things that wildlife has taught you? What would be some of the things that you've learned from just being in their world and learning, especially the underwater world? Oh, just patience, uh, taking time. I, th I think that, that, that's the main thing for me because 
even even if you're with animals like hummingbirds or something or, or something that has a great speed to it or the heartbeat's going or all the movements are very quick you still have to slow yourself down to watch it appreciate it film it and that, that goes right through everything and so not directly from the animals but from being with the animals i've learned patience and how to wait and how to observe uh, uh, and how to just take my time and enjoy i mean sometimes i've not even pressed the trigger on the camera uh it's I thought, oh, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I, uh, and I found I've just been captivated and thought, oh, shit, I should have filmed that. But um, never mind. It's, it's, with, it's with me. So that's, that's Imprinted. Good. Yeah, imprinted into your memory. Yeah, um, and so those experiences you've taken into, how have they influenced your terrestrial living, your, your family living? your life well it, it it kind of it kind of goes i mean what once you become patient or wanting to watch and learn and understand it, it kind of follows through i mean i'm not the most patient person in the world with other people uh i i can not lose my temper but i can get frustrated with people quite quickly uh, whereas I don't with uh, animals or other, you know, any other species. I know you've you know, devoted your life to underwater photography. What are your thoughts on keeping cetaceans and other sentient marine mammals in captivity? Oh, uh, I hate it. <clears throat> Excuse me, I hate it with a passion. Um, I remember many, many years ago uh, in Canada, we went to SeaWorld. I don't even know why I went. I think my kids wanted to see the, the orcas that were there. And I, I wasn't happy to go, but I thought, okay, let's, let's see what comes out of this. And my kids were so upset. And I didn't say anything to them at all. Because, I mean, before that, we'd, We'd, we'd actually been filming and seeing orcas out in the wild. And there was this huge great orca in there uh, with, you know, the bent over fin, uh, so depressed, so, so, so unhappy. And my kids came out and they said, Dad, why is, it, why is it so unhappy? And we went through the whole thing and they, they just took it on board just like that. It was fantastic. And... When you see dolphins in dolphinariums or in small tanks, it's it's a bit like going to the zoo. If you go to the zoo and somebody says, oh, I'd love to go to the zoo and, and see the lions. So you go to the zoo and you stand at the cage and there's a lion and it's sleeping or resting or, or just bored on its platform, maybe chewing something. That's not seeing a lion. That's seeing a caged, depressed animal. For a lion, you have to be out in the wild and see a lion or watch a film of a lion out in the wild. What you see in the zoo is, is not it. It's something else. And um, 
exactly the same with all marine animals. I mean, you know, when you get down to fish and they're in a big aquarium, different. Marine mammals that are, spend their lives traveling the oceans, I, I find it horrible. Mm. And it should, also, it should also, I don't even find it educational. You know, you get the argument that, well, look, we're, we're preserving st- uh, species, it's educational, people, and people are not. They're yeah. just thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a dolphin. Oh, look, it does this fabulous trick. Isn't that amazing? And then they have no connection to what a dolphin is in the wild. Mm. So your kids knew instinctively that it was not right, that something yeah. was off. But I, th- I think it was, it was born from seeing the orca in the wild prior to that. Mm. So they knew something was wrong with this one. Have you been under the water with orca? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, unintentionally once in, uh, in Canada. And, um, <laughs> what do you mean unintentionally? <laughs> well, I was just diving elsewhere. Oh, well, I was just diving, doing other things. I think I was doing Oxford, actually. And um, yeah, for uh, 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 orca, uh, single male, just just came by, just cruised, had a look, just carried on, and uh, I thought, oh, come back, come back, come back, but it didn't, it, it was it was on a journey, it was doing something else, and, mm. and, and that's the only time I've, I've been underwater with them. Um, you were sharing your sperm whale story. I don't know if we recorded last week when you were sharing that. I don't think we, can you? Talk? I don't know, I can't remember. I don't think we were, but I would love to hear the sperm whale story. That's always been, that's on my bucket list to, to uh, actually free swim with them without yes. gear, you know, just hold my breath and see, I got to get better with holding my breath, even though I'm in the water a lot. It's just, um, but I, I have to confess, I'm not very good at holding my breath either. So, <laughs> so I, I actually had a little small tank on, uh, you know, holding my breath is, is, is not one of my best things, really. Uh, yeah, we were in Sulawesi um, just doing, it, it was uh, mating time for sperm whales. Where's Sulawesi? Uh, Indonesia. Oh, yes, thank you. So, so we were living on a, on a little boat, just staying offshore and following them um, with this biologist who was tracking them uh, with sound. And, um, and then we just get in the water and we got close to them. And I just on this one occasion, the biggest bull whale that I have ever seen came and surfaced and did the tail bit and went down again. And we managed to plot where we thought he was going to come up again, and he did. And it was, and so I got into the water. The visibility wasn't that good. And I'm in the water with my camera. And I can't see anything. The visibility, I don't know, 20 foot wasn't, wasn't, wasn't very good. Uh, so, and then I stick my head out of the water and I can see his body bow wave just very, very slowly coming towards me. <laughs> and then I look down again underwater and I think, yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't see a thing. And I look up again and it's, and it's bigger and closer. And I still can't see anything. And my heart is, is pounding. I have no idea what's going to happen at all. And um, I look up again. I've got to be able to see this. And I, and I come down again for the final time. And honestly, it, it, it 
almost filled filled my horizon um spur my bolt's head he was huge and rather than just continue straight on at any speed you could see him looking and registering what i was slowed right down and he gave me a moment to move to the side which I did. And then it was eyeball to eyeball. And I, <laughs> ah, I can, I can still, uh, I, I can still visual, visual, visualize him looking at me and vice versa. And it was just a pure understanding that I wasn't going to hurt it. Well, I couldn't anyway. Um, and I knew he wasn't going to hurt me. And he just continued on. And then I realized boots coming and I could see them coming right for me and I thought just even at this speed it's going to break some ribs or something and just at the last moment it just really slowly lifted it over my head and carried on down and I thought wow I mean not only is he aware of me he has this amazing control and knowing what's going on behind him mm. to be able to just just that close missed me with his tail and uh, off he went yeah uh, that's the last I saw of him actually that's beautiful it was, it was a stunning moment um the how when you had that eye contact I too have lo looked into the eye of a well besides dolphins but a whale because they're so immense what is that feeling for you? Did it make you feel something? Did it make you think something? Did it make you, did it, I mean, you can still see his eye, right? Even to this day, it imprinted yes, you yeah. like distinctly. What did it make you feel like we're all, you know, he knew you or connected or what was that? It was just a communication between mm. two species, between two sentient beings. And that was it. That, that was it. It was just a recognition and that was it. That was enough. Uh, I, I didn't even, in fact, I've never really thought about it. I, di I didn't want anything else from it. Yeah. It, that, that, that was enough. I, re I remember, and just remind me, uh, we were in, Scammon's Lagoon in Baja, where the grey whales um, go to give birth. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a, that's a terrible example of being separated from your families, but on a horrible way. Um, Captain, they used to go down to this lagoon to kill and hunt grey whales. And Captain Scammon was infamous for harpooning the babies and the young to draw the mothers in. So th there is a, is a prime example of forced separation for a while, that, uh, anguish and et cetera, et cetera. But on a happier note, we're in the lagoon. <laughs> Trying not to make you cry again. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a long time ago. And now the whale's there and they're giving birth and all the rest of it. And middle of the night, the little dinghy off the back um, I hear this ruckus going on and uh, go down the boat and there I see our skipper on this little dinghy 
and right beside him is the baby whale. And he's just scrubbing its back with, with the, the deck brush. <laughs> I think, oh my God, this is fantastic. So I jump in next to him and I grab this little, this little hand brush and, I, and I'm brushing the baby as well. And the reason I'm telling the story is because the baby would keep putting its head out of water and looking at us and just making eye contact. And it was in heaven. You know, you could say, oh yeah, this is absolutely lovely. <laughs> And as it, as it's happening, so our little dinghy suddenly starts to rise <laughs> out of water completely, with just a little bit left in, and and it's and we're on the back of Mum, <laughs> and Mum has just come under the boat and lifted us up and then put us back again, and she came up next to the baby and she stuck her head out of the water and she just looked at us and we looked at her, and it was just that recognition again of two sentient species having a nice moment mm. uh, and that was it really it's I don't really look too far into in what else is there that, that as I say that was enough for me yes I think the first time that I saw I had a humpback whale swim up to me I was I was in a small little dinghy boat with my friend off of in Hawaii, it was like 1990, and I had had dolphins. I'd been swimming with dolphins, like wild ones, but I saw one dolphin and one whale, and it was right pretty much close to the harbor of Lahaina. So I said, I, I, I want to jump in to see if I can hear them singing. Mm. So, um, you know, just, just to hear anything. So I had no snorkel. No, like flippers, nothing. It was just me, you know, my bathers. So I jump over. My friend's still in his little dinghy boat. I'm like, you know, going down and then bobbing up. And I see kind of like through just my, you know, without a mask, white, like coming towards me. <laughs> I didn't know what it was, right? Then all of a sudden, this whale, the humpback whale, comes within a few feet of me and just comes right up and you know his or her eye was just right there and I I I kind of flew my arm back because it startled me like I was like whoa <laughs> and I'm still in the water like close to the boat um but the whale was just as close as it could be to me without like knocking into me and I and then I kind of like pulled my arm out of socket and I was like, oh, oh, but not really. You know, it was just kind of like I strained it or something. So I'm like in the water sideways like this going, oh, my arm. And the whale was just looking at and I felt for those few moments like I was looking into the eye of God. Like if. If you could see God, that was it. It was like this peace and this beauty and this understanding, everything was kind of combined just in the look of that one eye. And I can remember like, you know, I was like, my friend could see that I was right next to this whale and that I wasn't moving. And then, you know, slowly after the whale was looking at just kind of sunk down and then my friend helped me back into the dinghy. And then the whale just spy hopped 
around our little dinghy. Like they yeah. didn't want to leave, you know, but it's like, I'm, yeah. and then my friend was like, oh, let's go find more whales. I'm like, no, we have a whale right here. It's like the, the whale wants to communicate with us, right? Wants to interact with us. And, you know, him deciding what to do because it was his little dinghy boat, we zoomed off. But just to have that whale wanting to interact with us, that whale with the one dolphin together, I don't know if, you know, like I didn't size up the whale, you know, like what kind of male, female, adolescent, you know, it was just a whole experience, but I was high for the entire week. I kept on, I remember going to work, right? A whale looked at me, like, you know, just, it was like, God, look, it was just that omni, no, no, no. It was, you know, after the way we have treated whales, even to this day, over mm. the centuries, mm. they still are gentle with us. They're very peaceful. They're, you know, I've never had kind of, you know, the things that happen in captivity with no. human and dolphin and whale interaction. But that's an unnatural environment. I think any of us would probably eventually say enough of, you know, this tank living you know, I really want to be back to my family. And yes, it's, it's an interesting one with with the fact that I don't know what it is about whales and dolphins that I mean, they do have aggressive moments. Dolphins, bottlenose dolphins certainly can be aggressive to other dolphins and things. Um, but generally, as you say, towards even now today in the Faroe Islands where every year they kill pods and pods and pods of um, whales and dolphins. Yeah, the pilot whales. The pilot whales. There seems to be no aggression, even as they're being slaughtered on the beach or in the shallow water, no aggression to the people in the water doing the stuff. And I can't fathom it out. I, I, I'm not sure what, what that factor is um you know whether i don't know it's 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 a puzzler for me that one uh, i don't know that's another thing that i could probably cry about um yeah i mean i think we need to be affected by that they say it's i know there's been interviews with them i know rick oberry from the dolphin project has gone there to try to you know because basically dolphin and whale meat now is so full of mercury that it's not really good for someone's diet, but they depend on that. It's part of their, you know, so-called tradition, right? So it's their tradition to kill and live off the blubber. And they yeah. think like killing one of those pilot whales will feed the entire family. So they're thinking from, I'm taking care of my family, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the mass slaughtering, you know, really of, I, I don't know, it's just that whole subject of, I just, I don't know how to put the value in. Like for me, I always ask, how do we put the humane back into the word humanity? The sense of family, the sense of having feelings and sensitivity goes across the board. So how do we, 
besides using our camera, how do you think would be ways that we could help human evolution to understand? I mean, we've understand through the pandemic that we're all interconnected through a disease that they say was started from animals, but really it, it was started from the human animal experimenting. I mean, I believe there's enough evidence to show that, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, very pessimistic, I'm afraid. Um, I don't, unless it's forced upon human beings, I, th I think um, empathy with other species is not going to happen. Um, as an example, uh, I, I was just reading in the paper actually today, um, in South Africa, they've either have or are thinking about um, stopping captive breeding of lions so that the young ones can be used in a petting zoo for tourists. So they're taken away from the mother at a very early age, they're petted, and when they grow to a certain size, then they're put out for hunting, for shooting. And this is a tourist uh, industry, and, and it just goes on. It's, I mean, it's horrendous, um, and lion, tigers, all, all sorts of things. And that affected me greatly. I thought there is, if this things, if these things happen, and the majority of people sit in their living rooms watching TV and don't address these issues, it's never going to change. And it, I, I don't see it changing. I see some wonderful people and, and groups out there who are trying to make a difference. Um, sadly, I don't see it working at the moment. Hmm. But when you do your art, your photography, yeah. when you share it, aren't you wanting to affect people's lives? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes, so, yes. And, and I wish it did, but I, <laughs> I, I, I have a horrible feeling that it's, it's very transient. You know, it's fun while you watch it and then it's forgotten. And then you're on to your normal life. Is it because you think maybe people don't have the tools to change or a desire to change? Or what do you think? I mean, not that we can figure out all the world problems in this one, you know, no. chat Good. today. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, being isolated in the pandemic is really kind of a reflection on, are we really isolated or because when we're given like tools like computers and then people are trying to find ways to communicate, right? And we're actually using a technology, like I mentioned last week, that mm -hmm. dolphins and whales have been using for 50 million years. So telecommunications. So it's, it's really, if we destroy the, you know, we do so many films and People, if you post one photo of an animal, it gets 500 likes. 
you post a picture of a human, you know, doing the same thing, it'll get like 15, you know? know. So, so people love animals. And so I'm, I wonder the same thing in my work. What, what will it take for, for people to connect the dots that we are so interconnected that we, we do need to make choices starting from our house outward that really are more compassionate, more, you know, that, that affect not only ourselves, but others. It, it, to me, it all comes down, and I've, I've said this to various people, it's the consumer who drives the world. So, you know, if you're going to um, put money into by buying products from cruelty to animals or, or the destruction of species, it will continue. And, you know, if you ask for something somebody is going to supply it to you in the cheapest way possible for them to make huge profits. And that is what is killing other species and, and the animal world, other species uh, in our planet. It is simply down. If we all said, okay, I'm not going to buy now anything that is harmful to the environment, and I don't even know if this is possible, but it is not harmful to the environment or other species. If we if we just said that's enough, I think things would change dramatically um, because there would be no reason to do all the damage that we do. Mm. So it's, it's 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 down to consumers. It's down to us. Uh, we have a huge amount of power with the money we spend. Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time and us talking about our connectivity. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's great. And it was nice to catch up again after our first interview. Yeah, so make me cry. Yes, I'm sorry. Now that I have like, <laughs> I had a little sob over the rank of the gorilla and the. Um, dove and I hope the dove you know it's I don't know if that you know they mate for life I don't know I'm not sure you know if I thought about anyone you know I we talked I think briefly you could be any animal what would it be um what would it be for you be any I, I I didn't know when you asked me the first time I still don't know say you had to fill out an application and they said if you could be any animal what animal could you be probably the one of the one of one of the animals that i envy is other birds just being able to soar in the sky with no effort and just ride those thermals and skim along the cliff tops and wave tops. I mean, that must be amazing. So mm. if I was pushed, I would say a bird of some sort, a big bird. You mean like an eagle or a falcon? Yeah, or- something like that. Or, um, yeah, yeah. So Something where I haven't 
got to worry about being eaten. And uh, <laughs> but I've still got the ability to do all that flying. I mean, the birds, you know, like like puffins and guillemots and razorbills and that can do all that and dive and to amazing depths and hold their breath and fish and then fly again. I mean, wow. How, so they how have the best of both worlds. Ah, isn't that amazing that they do that? I want to thank you again for being my guest. Oh, absolute pleasure. Though. Really was. Yeah, good.